Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Finder community, we're back with our regular segment where we speak to great people from the world of sport. And today, it is no different. I have Mr. Jason Clerken from the Orlando, Orlando Magic. Welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. A bit of a tongue twister there. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, Jason, who was Mr. Jason as a young man at school? Take, take me back a few years, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was someone that had no idea what he wanted to do. That was for sure. Um, wow. Really kind of started, you know, I grew up loving sports, played sports my whole life, knew um, probably that traditional office mindset was not what I wanted. Um, you know, loved. Uh, I was probably the kid that, you know, bought Madden to not play the game, but to run the franchise mode. I think that was always the one that, that kind of I had more fun, you know, changing the concession pricing than, you know, playing a game. So um, started, you know, I went to the University of Central Florida in Orlando. Um, so was there and, you know, didn't knew I wanted to be in sports, but didn't know really the depth of what the business of sports entailed. Um, I was super excited that uh, shortly after I was there, the, the DeVos family that coincidentally also owns the Magic, um, started a sports management program at UCF, um, and I got to be among one of the first classes that was there. So um, did the minor in sports and, and, you know, got my major in marketing, and, and the whole time, you know, it was, it was great. We had speakers come in from all different um, levels and industries to, to kind of talk about what they did, and, and you know, it, was, it ran the gamut. It was ticket sales, it was promotions, um, but the one that, you know, always kept piquing my interest uh, was really the partnership side, the corporate partnerships folks that would come in and, and talk about it. Um, but while I was there, I was heavily involved in the athletic department, um, worked in the, the sports marketing department there in UCF athletics for, for a year and a half. Um, also worked uh, in the operations and facilities operations with the athletic department as well. So, um, you know, I enjoyed going to every every type of game, whether it was tennis or golf or football, and, and you know, I wanted to absorb as much as I could. So, um, did that pretty much my my last few years at UCF. Got some great experience. Got to meet a lot of great people, um, and and you know, had to kind of continue to to volunteer as as many places as I could. So, did some things in town at the, the time with the Arena Football League, with the Orlando Predators, um, and eventually got connected um, to a startup uh, in the United Football League, uh, which was brand new at the time, um, with a team called the Florida Tuskers. And the Florida Tuskers, you know, they, they were basically what um, the, the Alliance of American Football and, and some of these others, the XFL, was trying to be um, and, and, you know, are still trying to be. Uh, but it was a great chance to, to kind of, you know, get into minor league sports and with a startup with a kind of a team that was you know brand new and in town so I didn't have to move uh which is great but um got to do a little bit of everything and it ended up being you know just a great league um they had a lot of really smart people from the NFL kind of just trying to get it off the ground um Mark Cuban was an investor um 
you know, they had some big name players. They had Dante Culpepper. Um, they had Maurice Claret. They had some of these former NFL players that were really trying to make a name for itself. Um, some, you know, those that follow football. Uh, Jay Gruden was the coach at the time. Jim Hazlitt was the defensive coordinator. Sean Payton, who obviously has blown up, um, was the wide receivers coach. So a lot of really big time talent that was in this league and, and was working there for um, pretty much a year and a half and, and doing a little bit of everything, um, ordering football equipment, you know, calling people for tickets, um, doing grassroots marketing events around Orlando. And eventually um, ended up kind of said, raising my hand and saying, hey, I can help with corporate partnerships and, and the one person that they had in that department. Um, and at the time, you know, it, it was a, a much smaller piece. It was, you know, doing trade deals and things just to offset costs and, and all things you can expect. Um, but getting some really great experience was, was really what I valued and, and really um, kind of took to it quickly. Um, so did that and they had about a year and a half, like I said, and, and then, you know, it, like a typical startup that you see and unfortunately and some of these football leagues that, you know, they're there one day and gone the next. I, I remember going into to LA Fitness and this was the very beginning, I don't want to date myself too much, but the very beginning of Facebook really being involved outside of just like for college. Um, but it really like just logged on and, and the official Facebook of the UFL said the, the Tuskers had relocated to Virginia. And you know, my feeling was I probably should have known that someone maybe wanted to tell me that. Um, and, you know, they, they did relocate. I, I made a career decision that it probably wasn't the most stable environment for me to continue down and, and start looking for new things, even despite having, you know, a full-time job. Um, and, you know, they, they eventually folded as did the league. So I feel like I made a, a good call there. Um, but shortly after that, you know, it's, it's always fun to, that pretty much put me right up. I think that was about a month after I graduated. So here I was straight out of school. I had, you know, my degree ready to go and, and had no full-time job that I was already, you know, had worked in and, and been planning on kind of continuing for the short term. So started applying, um, actually kind of hooked on um, with the golf channel. Golf Channel ended up and Comcast ended up you know, merging with NBC Sports. So immediately about a week after that became an NBC Sports employee. Um, and then kind of was there with about five, five and a half years at the Golf Channel. Got to travel the world, be, you know, do corporate partnerships with some really awesome people, some great shows. Uh, got to, you know, see a lot of new things and experience a lot of new things in, in the media side of things. Um, and then after a couple, you know, five and a half years ended up at the magic and, and been lucky and blessed to be here ever since and in our global partnerships team. Wow. Quite the journey. You go from a startup, small organization to NBC. Yes. What a transition. It's it's been quite the transition. And I, I feel like I've got a, a very interesting background. Um, you know, having the collegiate experience and and essentially minor league experience and, and also media and, and now professional sports. So it's, um, you know, a lot, it's been great. It's, it's been able to kind of see all different facets. Um, you know, media in, in this world has changed so much. So having lived and breathed that for five and a half years was awesome. Um, I, some, one of my biggest mentors, Rob Caravello, that's, that actually leads the, the golf, NBC golf partnerships team um, taught me more, in you know that five and a half years and I can ever ever imagined and he was just such a great mentor continues to be a great mentor to this day about 
you know, how to tell your story, how to align brands in the story. Um, and, you know, that's, that's why people turn to corporate partners and, you know, media and professional sports and, and at all levels really is because, you know, it's a passion thing for people and, and sports is something that, you know, they want it, they gravitate towards and they, brands will want to align, want to align with. Um, and the ones that are able to do it in organic ways and, and tell a story as to why it's a fit are, you know, are the ones that are really successful and, and you know, he was continues to be a great mentor and, and continued to teach me a lot on that side, especially. Talk to me about that transition coming out of college and going into NBC. Did you have did you have people who worked there? Like, what what, what was that process like? Yeah, you know, it's it's always it, you know you always hope and, and hear a lot of, about, especially in sports, and and I do say it today, but it's it's who you know, right? And um, it I when I obviously the, the Tuskers moved on and, and eventually kind of fell apart. Um, and I was, you know, on the streets, I was, I was calling everybody. Um, and I was trying to, you know, look for any, anywhere to get my foot in the door. I, I knew kind of, I wanted to be in sports. I knew I wanted to be in, in, I kind of whittled it down the corporate partnerships at the time. So, um, that one, ironically enough, it, it was not about who I knew. It, it was really a cold application, um, which I feel like doesn't happen too often. Uh, and a cold application that I ended up hitting it off kind of during the interview. And, and one thing led to another and, and ended up kind of working out. What was the interview process like? Was it rigorous? You know, it was. Uh, it, at the time, I think, you know, I, I started as a coordinator. Um, so a coordinator on the partnership team. Um, I was actually the first NBC employee in Orlando um, at the time that, you know, they hadn't purchased Golf Channel yet. So um, they were it was still a Comcast entity. So um, it was it was a lot. And it was I think there was five rounds of interviews through. Um, wow. I want to say. I'm thinking back, but I want to say they had something like 600 to 700 resumes that, that they were uh, kind of interviewing with and, and kind of whittling down for the position at the time. Um, so it was it was a lot of back and forth. You know, I had actually had to move because I was done with college and, and I had, <laughs> didn't have any need to be in Orlando at the time. And, and while I was interviewing, I was actually commuting back and forth each time from my parents' house in South Florida, back up to Orlando, where the Golf Channel was headquartered, um, for each one of these interviews, and um, it was great, right? Like it was, it you know, you, it was definitely a family environment. I know Rob um, preached that from the day I got there, and you know, you want to enjoy who you work with, and he wants to bring in people he you know can trust and value, and, and totally knows them, and and to do so. We, we went through the gamut of, of interviews. It was a, a kind of one-on-one -on -one interviews with the rest of the team, obviously my direct manager with him, with his boss. Um, so it was, it was pretty intimidating for, for someone fresh out of college and especially, you know, it, when you're starting to talk about you know, NBC and, and so on and so forth, it's, uh, it gets a little bit intimidating here and just, you know, the, the experience of the folks you're talking to and just how good they are at their jobs as well. Do you know what gave you that edge and, and got the position? I'm sure they would have had a ton of applicants to MDC, right? Yeah, you know, good question. Did they ever tell you that? Uh, you know, I, I got a little bit of it. It's I try to, you know, um, I, I'm, a, I'm quite the grinder and, and really I mentioned it earlier is um, all through college I was working and, you know, you could see it on my resume with a lot of uh, volunteering for, for different positions like bowl games that came into town or, or wherever it was of any sport that I could you know get involved with um, some paid and some just 
you know, free volunteering at the time. And, and really they said it, what it came down to was just being able to show I was a hustler and I was able to, you know, keep uh, balanced work and, and, you know, volunteering and school and, and so on and so forth. And, and if I could do that, they felt pretty strongly that I'd be able to, to survive in a, a quick moving uh, media world. Yeah, it's, it's that passion, especially with the, with the free work that, pe- that people love because it shows how much you love the industry. Um, wow, there you go. What's the, what's the biggest thing you learned, the biggest lesson you learned at, at your time at NBC? Yeah, it, it was just, um, I think what was unique was that during my time at NBC, like I alluded to a little bit, it was really the beginning, very, very, very early stages of social media. Um, and, you know, Facebook was there. Uh, again, I feel like I'm dating myself even now, but. Um, we're the same. We're, we're pretty much the same age, so it's all. There we go. I feel better. <laughs> um, but it was mostly Facebook and, and it was it was very social media and that's it. It wasn't you know something that was a content monetization platform like it is today with all of the ads and you know, the integration of organic content and everything teams and leagues and, and everyone's doing. Um, I, I think working in media has, has kind of given me a lens as to, um, you know, what we do even at The Magic and what we kind of align our partners with and, and how I think about it, uh, because that's what golf is doing, right? Like golf's a very niche sport to begin with. Um, I, I golfed, I'll put it very, very badly, uh, albeit at the beginning of when I got there, but I didn't follow the game. I, I mean, I knew sports. I knew at the time Tiger was the draw, but it wasn't someone that could name you the top 10 money leaders in the world on the PGA Tour by any stretch of the imagination. So it was a little bit of learning the game. Um, what's so unique to golf is, is it's similar to NASCAR, right? Like each golfer's head to toe got sponsorship deals each tournament has their own sponsorship deals each media company has their own sponsorship deals and it's a lot of you know puzzle it's basically a big puzzle that you're trying to figure out how you can integrate brands into with all the competition and the overlaps and exclusivities so to me it was a blend between you know the the puzzles that of how to integrate partners into um, the game of that's a niche appeal and then also you know with being a 24 hour golf network, how to integrate partners into content organically. And, and I think that's the part that served me best in the social media world today is that we were doing that way back then into shows like golf central, which is their kind of crown jewel in the uh, kind of news hour morning drive, which is their morning show, the PJ tour telecast, and, and even some of their original programming like big break um, and some of the other ones that they had on the, at the time. So to me, it was, you know, you had all these different assets and it was how you, what's the tone of each asset? What's, you know, the followers, how, how are they, or the viewers in that instance? Um, who are you talking to? How are you talking to them? And, you know, what the goal of, of the partner that you're trying to integrate them into as well has, I feel like served me well now um, that social media has, has taken such a kind of preeminent position. You've seen the development of social media basically. The whole platform. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did they have a Facebook channel before you came or was it after you came? It was kind of in development. I mean, we, we definitely had one at, at Golf Channel, um, but it wasn't as built out, obviously, as it is now. I mean, the content that we were putting on there um, was a lot more still photography in some instances. Uh-huh. It wasn't 
made a lot of clips of shows and things like that, which obviously still plays today, but you know, it, it wasn't the, the depth of programming, the depth of the graphic integrations and things that brands have come to expect for, you know, their presence on social media and, and the dollars that they're allocating towards it. I thought it wasn't even probably ready for all that anyway at that time, if we're yeah. going back that far. Um, Very elementary. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm surprised that the a big network jumped on so, so early, actually, if, I, if I'm going to be honest with you. It's usually yeah. the, the other way around. They take their time, most of the larger networks. Um, in terms of the actual the Facebook platform itself, and even at the time there was YouTube, I don't know if you guys used YouTube or not. Yeah. Did you guys face many issues with like copyrights and you know all those headaches that come along with using those platforms early? Yeah, you know, great question. It was it, it's something that continues right to evolve on an everyday basis. Just yeah. in, even at the magic when we feel like we've got it figured out, some algorithm changes, and you know, half the people aren't seeing the posts like they were a week ago. So. It, it's definitely been something that's continued to evolve, you know, how you're reaching folks, uh, you know, the, the, the following and how you're growing the following and, and so on and so forth. Uh, it, it, there's definitely, I mean, no denying it, there's been some challenges at, that, that we've worked through at every step of the way with, with social media. But I think the biggest thing for social and, and the biggest thing that, that we enjoy is, is the metrics, right? Like you're able to, to tap into who you know are, are real life people and know their likes and their interests and their demographic information and, and everything that you can be smarter with as a marketer and for the brands that you're, you're representing to, to reach um, the right demographics that those brands are trying to reach. And, and by segment, you know, segmentation and, and geo-targeting and, and the list goes on, it's, it's come such a long way. And, and, you know, there's, like you said, there's been challenges at every step of the way, but it, with each challenge, it's, it's also kind of taken, three steps forward in, in what you're able to do and how you're able to do it as well. Do you remember like a key metric or stat that really stood out to you at the time, like a growth metric that you, you, you seen early um, organically and you went, wow, that's insane. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, um, it's always unique, but I, I mean, we were growing by like hundreds of percent by month as, as, Facebook, you know, took off. And, and it, it, like I said, it started at, you know, college kids interacting and, and you know, like they're, they're just seeing their friends and posting about parties and things like that. And then, you know, the parents get on and, you know, they, they start to evolve with the aunts and uncles and grandparents and then everybody's on Facebook. And, you know, as that sped up, like I said, it was, it was kind of right when I was coming out of school and, and, it was kind of making that transition and, and just the growth numbers that you were seeing from followers and um, being able to know where they were from. I mean, it was, it, to, that, to me, that's the craziest piece, right? Um, because we, as we're talking, right, you're in Australia, I'm in Orlando, it's, it's, a, it's a worldwide network and it really is. And being able to show that golf was a worldwide game and we had always known that with tournaments being overseas and you know, the, just the overall, what the PGA tour is and, and the players on it, just like most professional sports, just being able to actually see where the followers were coming from and knowing it wasn't, we weren't just reaching, you know, the folks that had the ability to see golf channel domestically. It, it was truly kind of becoming a worldwide game, which, which really golf channel and NBC adapted um, kind of that mindset and that mentality quickly, which helped with their growth overall as a network. Yeah, 
yeah, crazy days back then. Facebook organically was a beast. Now it's it's more of a dinosaur. But the ads the ads platform is unbelievable. It's still it's still grass. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the transition to the Orlando Magic. Working at NBC, I mean, wow, who the hell wants to leave NBC, right? <laughs> Major network, I'm sure they pay well. You get all these extra benefits, so on, close to home. Why'd you, why the move to the Magic? Yeah, uh, great question. I mean, it was, it was really like, you know, I, I said I grew up a sports fan, and, and I, I truly mean that. Like, I, I love all sports. It's not like, obviously, basketball is where I'm working, and, and I've always had a special place for basketball in my heart. But, I mean, I was getting to, like, go up and, and you know, work on pitches at a 30 Rock in New York that involved, you know, Sunday night football and horse racing and, and you know, everything under the NBC Sports portfolio, which to me was a dream. And, and you know, I, I grew up watching the, uh, the NBA on NBC and, and hearing the, you know, the kind of the, the ring, the theme song, if you will, behind it that I still think they need to bring back to this game day and, and get back into the rights for the NBA. But um, the the NBA, right, I grew up in, in the late 80s, early 90s, like that was NBA was king at the time. And you know, you had like the Patrick Ewings, and Michael Jordan, and, and really just the golden years of, of basketball and um, watched it with my, my dad and my grandparents. And, and it was always something that you know, I grew up in Gainesville, Florida, about an hour and a half up the road from Orlando. So I grew up a Magic fan. Um, so, you know, got this and getting involved with with the Magic, it was actually, I, I did know someone over there um, at the time, um, being in town, you know, you kind of make connections naturally and, and wasn't looking by any stretch. I, I loved being involved with NBC. It was, you know, my career was definitely on, on the up and up. And, um, it just so happened that the, the Magic had an opening and, and, you know, threw my hat in the ring and, and got to meet the team over there. And now at the time, um, I know we were talking before we jumped on, Catherine Carlson was, was leading the department. She's since gone and, and taken off over kind of all the revenue producing departments for the Eagles um, and got to meet Kath and, you know, JT McWalters, who, who kind of currently runs the department and, and just instantly hit it off with both of them and was completely aligned with, you know, what they saw in, in terms of the vision for the department and, you know, what they were seeing in terms of the vision for uh, my role at the Magic and our global partnerships team. And um, it, I told them at the time it was, it was taking a very special uh, position to, to kind of want me to leave the, the situation I had at Golf Channel and NBC. And um, it was definitely the Magic. It was, you know, everything that they had uh, kind of talked to me, to me about. Um, it just it was hard not to, to get excited, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially if you were a fan, been a fan, a fan your whole life, so it's a, it's absolutely um, a no-brainer, really. If, if everything else balances out, because once you grow grow older, it's, it, it gets a bit more complicated. Just the bills and exactly. families and the wife and the partners. Um, take me through the the transition over to to the mansion. You go from this large media organization to a sporting team, professional sporting team, which is also large but small. Yeah. Uh, no. Right? It was definitely an interesting transition. I, I would mm. say NBC, I mean, they, they have every tool in the world that you need, right? It's, it's one of the biggest media companies in the world. You know, just every statistic is at the palm of your hand in terms of, like, who's watching, who's yeah. 
you know, following every, all of that. Um, and, and it's definitely, I, I think there's a common misconception from people outside the sports world of when you go to professional teams, we operate very much like small businesses. I mean, you know, you, you've got the player's salaries, which obviously gets the most popularity and attention to, to everybody. And they see those numbers and they just assume that's, you know, and resources. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, and, you know, it's, it's not quite the same tune. And, and, you know, we, uh, you know, the magic of obviously um, they're, they're well-respected in, in across sports as, as one of the organizations and that are doing it really well and, and, you know, doing it, the business side of the, the, the equation um, really well with a lot of kind of the things that we've done in the world of tickets and tourism and, and corporate partnerships lately, but it was an adjustment. I, I went from um, managing accounts. I, I think I had about 55 accounts um, over at the at NBC uh, and they were varying levels, right? Like some had commercial spots, some had just small integrations into a program. Um, and then I went down, came to the magic and, and my number shrunk to about 13 to 15, uh, but they were much more involved, much heavier integrations and, and you know, different uh, assets in, into each deal. Um, Cause it's on a, you know, a local, it, it hits, it runs the full spectrum, right? We have partners on a, a very hyper-local level. We have partners on a regional, national, and, and even global level. So um, it was an adjustment period for sure. It was, you know, we, I think we're a pretty lean and mean organization of just under 300. Um, and, it's, you know, it, it, we have a number of different business lines that kind of fall under the magic as well. We have an ECHL hockey team, the Orlando Solar Bears, we have Magic Gaming, and then we have the Lakeland Magic of, of the G League. So um, all great growth, you know, and, and different assets, uh, but it was certainly adjustment from not having, you know, uh, what went to a 24-hour network that was on year-round and a sport that really golf is a year-round sport uh, to pretty much, you know, having about nine months of the year with kind of the draft and some of the other properties um, with the magic. It, it's nice. Like I, I finally had an off season. I think that was the biggest uh, equation that popped in kind of when I came over as well, but um, there was an adjustment period, but in a, in a good way. And one that, you know, I was super excited for. I mean, you could be while well, traveling was a, a big piece of the NBC equation. Uh, a lot of your integration is into to live programming, live TV. Um, I always really liked the event side and, you know, like the partnership and, and seeing, go, you know, having people out, your partners out to games, you know, entertaining, going out to dinner, uh, all the sorts of the, you know, the actual partnership pieces that really come in to, to know the brand and get to know the brand a little bit more and, and the relationship, relationships side of having um, with each one of your partners and, and ha also having 45 nights a year that, that you have a game and, and you know, you have the chance to, to put on a show and put the brand in front of people and, and really provide that hospitality and experience um, that everyone's looking for these days. So I, I think that was the biggest transition was having, you know, um, more, more nights of, of activation and relationship building um, and less of kind of just being in the office and, and you know, traveling every so long, every once in a while and, and not necessarily having, um, heavy activation days like we do in, in NBA. Very nice. Sounds very, very interesting. Um, part of your job is to give brands exposure to your audience. How do you guys do so? I mean, when you, if you have 15 brands alone, and I think many of them are larger brands, uh, 
how do you sort of find the, the balance in giving each brand the growth and the exposure that they need and want? And then because nowadays there's metrics for every single little impression click. I mean, <laughs> the tools that are out there are insane. I mean, you can measure everything almost. Yeah, it's definitely, that's that's one of the biggest changes, I think, in the industry, um, in a good way. Um, but like you said, there, there's a, a metric for everything, and, and they're not all positive all the time. So it's it's finding that balance, and a lot of what we've done at The Magic, and, and you know, Catherine and JT were a big part of that, um, it is having what we call Activation 365s at the beginning of every year, and, and really sitting down with the brands that, that we have on our roster to fully understand what their goals are, what their objectives are, who they're trying to reach, and, and really spending, you know, a few hours where we're blocking out distractions and, and we're sitting, you know, in a room with a whiteboard with each one of our partners at the beginning of the season to lay out what those success metrics are so that as we go throughout the, the year, um, you know, we can always go back to that meeting, go back to what we set forth as that success point and say, are we tracking, right? Like, are we hitting the, you know, the metrics that we set out? Are we getting them in front of the right people? Are, is their exposure numbers right? Um, and then making adjustments where, where necessary. And, and, you know, we, we're like everyone else, you know, we, we do these deals and, and we, we have com contractual elements that brands pay a good, a portion, a good amount to, to be involved with. But at the end of the day, like what we try to pride ourselves on is, is providing flexibility. And just because, you know, we, we had deals out there um, or we had elements in deals. If they're not working, we're not going to hold a brand to it, right? Like we want to shift, we want to adjust, we want to provide flexibility. We want to try new things for both of us, whether that be technology or just an activation that, you know, both sides think could work, but hasn't been tested. So I think, you know, being able to take all of the metrics that are available look at them in unbiased as we can and say, are we falling short or are we hitting our, you know, metrics of success, our KPIs? That's really what we've tried to pride ourselves on and, and hope really we feel like we have and, and hopefully the partners agree that, you know, that activation 365 and the check-ins that we have on either a bi-weekly or a weekly basis has allowed us to, to kind of keep those lines of communication open with partners and make sure that throughout the process, throughout the season, we're in alignment that we're on the right track because the last thing we want is, you know, for games to wrap up in, in a traditional season in May, June, and the season's over. And, and then the brand be like, Hey, you didn't hit any of my goals. Like we, this, this didn't work for us. Um, so, I mean, to date, the last three years, uh, we've been in the top three in the NBA uh, with our retention numbers for our partners on our corporate partnership team. Um, so, you know, we feel like it, it, we have a pretty good, uh, blueprint of success in terms of that working, um, because, you know, the partners that we do have, they, they continue to renew and, and continue to come back. And, um, we, we try to view ourselves as extend being extensions of, of their employees and, and yeah, we work at the magic, but the goal of, of myself and really everybody on our team is, is we want to know as much about the brand and as much about the brands that we represent so that as new things pop up or, you know, opportunities arise, we can speak up pretty quickly and be very, you know, fluid with our conversations to, to pivot where onto things that, that might make work or might uh, make more sense and work better. Um, because we know that that's going to hit, you know, whatever the metrics are that we talked about on the front end with our partners.
Wow. Insane. Well done. Uh, that's, 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 that's an awesome uh, achievement, especially considering the level of, of competition out there nowadays. It's insane. Um, Jason, you've been amazing. Thank you very much. You've shared a ton of insight with us. Uh, we've really dug deep with you and we've learned a lot. What are three pieces of advice that you would give to somebody trying to build a career in sport? Yeah. And, and this is one that, you know, I, I, uh, I try to lend out whenever someone that I, you know, meet that's a student wants to talk about getting into to corporate partnerships or sports in general. Um, the biggest thing it is I try to tell them is, is what worked for me. And, and I know everybody's journey is different and you know, no two paths are alike. Um, but really it's, it's just hustle and, and it's, you know, make sure that you're, you know, willing to do, like, if you're truly passionate about working in sports, it's an extremely competitive area to get into. Um, once you're into it, it's, it's very much a, a very small world of, of everyone seeming to know everyone. Um, but really the volunteering, the internships, you know, the, the jobs that, you know, I wouldn't feel like any job is, is below me um, just to try and get that experience because, you know, whether you're working in, in minor leagues or volunteering or, or whatever it is, you're getting great experience and you're getting to see, you know, the inner workings of, of sports teams and, and learning about more than what you knew um, if you were just sitting at home or, or doing something else. So to me, that's, that's the biggest one. Um, the, the second one goes back to social media and, and really it's, it's just read everything you can. I, I think, you know, the emergence of uh, Twitter, especially, I, I probably spend a little bit too much time on Twitter, but that's really the, the social media channel that I, I'm on the most. Um, and we all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right? It's the one that, it, it, it's a great news source. Um, and it, especially for sports, like I can see what the 29 other NBA teams are doing. I can see what partners are doing. Like everyone's trying to, you know, merchandise their efforts. Between that and LinkedIn, there's just a, a bevy of information out there. And, and, you know, you can see some great best practices and take those um, to heart. And you can, you know, you can institute them. I mean, we look and monitor what, what everyone's doing as much as we can. And there's been instances where it's like, well, maybe that doesn't work for us, but wonder if we tweaked it for this partner and, and so on and so forth. So um, I would say, you know, might be mindful of, of just reading and consuming articles. I think there's following a lot of, you know, really good folks on, on Twitter that have uh, a, a great following um, and, you know, are reporting on, on sports business and um, it, it's just helpful. And then, you know, LinkedIn, I, I was always a big fan of LinkedIn because I, probably did a little bit too much LinkedIn stalking when I was in college and, and looking for jobs. Uh, but it was always to kind of see how pe what people's journeys were, right? Like there weren't necessarily podcasts like this and yourself that were educating folks at the time. Um, it's great that you guys are here now because I think it's such a huge, huge asset, but just following folks and doing research to see where people that are heading departments or teams or anywhere that you aspire to be, how they got to where they went, what level of school did they go to, what internships did they have, where did they get their foot in the door. I think that's just such a, a unique way and, and an interesting way to be able to like, you know, make your own path. I mean, yeah, it, it's not going to be the exact same, but it at least gives you an idea of, of the, the commitment that others made and, you know, how long they stayed at each stop along the way and, and what stops they made. 
Um, I think LinkedIn was was definitely a, a huge piece. And then I guess the, the final third portion goes hand in hand with both of them is don't be afraid to reach out. I mean, I, I, I try to, you know, it may not always be in, in such a timely manner as, as I'd want it to be, but, you know, I try and, and anyone that reaches out to me, I, I try and take a call or, or shoot an email back to or, you know, just provide insights where I can because I had folks do it for me along the way. So I definitely want to pay it back. And, you know, you never know when someone's reached out to me on, on LinkedIn or wherever it may be, or just meeting them at a game. Um, you never know who that person, you know, ends up where they end up working or kind of who they can end up um, introducing you to or, or so on and so forth. So I always, you know, think that's, that's a big component to, you know, getting your name out there, doing things that, that just help get your name to, to, network i mean networking at the end of the game or at the end of the day is is the biggest piece of this this puzzle um but if you can hustle and you know continue to read continue to educate yourself i think you know you, you set yourself up for some success oh there you go people take that notebook out start writing notes and make sure you you, you follow things um jason last but not least where can people find you online yeah, like I said, uh, I'm I'm pretty much on Twitter, uh, the the biggest one. I, I'm not too big on the other social media channels, um, but I do spend some time on Twitter at uh, JM Clerkin. Uh, you'll probably have to deal with some uh, some UCF Knights retweets and things like that from the alma mater. But other than that, it's usually sports, business, and the magic. Nice, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jason Clerkin from the Orlando Magic. Thank you very much for joining me on the Sports Finder podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?